Alright guys, welcome in to today's episode of South Institute Podcast. It is Monday, October 8th, 2018. And on today's episode, it is part two of the SEC breakout players for the 2018-19 season. Uh, if you missed part one, I did that uh, last Monday, so that would be the October 1st episode of the podcast. You can go back through and listen to that, where we dissected three players around the league and for each episode we will be doing uh, three players here as we continue on uh, leading up to the start of the season which will be on November the 6th Uh, but this week three more players uh, to look at and we start um, in Tuscaloosa where Alabama will have a team this year I think with the addition of Kyra Lewis now at the point guard uh, adding him to the mix was huge for them to add him as late as they did um, now they feel like they have someone like that in there who is an instant playmaker at that position, just like Colin Sexton was last year. Uh, but they've got a lot of other good pieces coming back, and they've got some good young players in there uh, to mix with their veteran guys. And one of the young players in particular that I'm kind of looking at as a potential breakout player this year um, is Alex Reese. Uh, he's someone who last year as a freshman played in 32 games, uh, you know, he only averaged four points, 2.8 rebounds. Uh, stats were not anything that, that just jumped off the page at you, but I think when you watch the games for them last year, uh, you, you could certainly tell that, that he's someone that, that could take a step forward. Again, you go back to that freshman to sophomore jump that we always talk about. Uh, when you get that year of experience, maybe your first year, uh, the game kind of moves a little fast, and we'll talk about that with a couple other players Uh, here coming up but I think going into a sophomore year where he could really be a major contributor yes they have Dante Hall coming back Uh, we know what things are going to look like for him Daniel Gins is back as well but there's a chance for Alex Reese I think to really play uh, a decent role this year and certainly you know uh, once you have guys that graduate and all that, he's going to move into more expanded roles. But but he could make a name for himself this year uh, as someone they kind of rely on in the front court, I think. Because to me, he's kind of that type of player, and Avery Johnson has said this before, uh, so have a lot of other coaches, where today's game of basketball, uh, you want that big guy who has the ability to step out and shoot jump shots. And I think Alex Reese is a very smooth-looking jumper. Um, He kind of showcased that last year with his ability to do that. You know, he took 74 three-point shots last year. He made 24 of them. Nothing, you know, elite about in in terms of the percentages or anything like that, but he has shown that ability, and that gives you something um, that, you know, maybe the other guys don't necessarily give you in that same type of role. And so that makes him a valuable asset in certain situations, uh, depending on you know different matchups and things like that. He can be someone that Avery Johnson turns to. Um, again, in certain rotations where they need uh, a big guy that can maybe you know stretch the floor a little bit, make shots from outside, uh, because offensively is going to continue to be the main theme as we go throughout the offseason and into the season offensively is where Alabama has to get better and they have to be more consistent they have to find guys that they can rely on uh in in crucial situations and I I think that's where you look at someone like this that plays a different style than Dante Hall plays a different style 
than Daniel Giddens. Um, you know, Galen Smith, someone else from freshman to sophomore now this year. Uh, I'm very high on him as well, and I think he could just as easily uh, be in this mix, and he may be one we talk about before this series is over, uh, if we get to that point before the season starts. Uh, but I really, I really am. I'm really high on Alex Reese. I think he's someone that uh, just to keep an eye on, just to kind of see how the minutes unfold there. Uh, again, you look at last year, he got to, you know 11.6 minutes per game is not a ton, but he played in a lot of games, um, and he had an opportunity to kind of showcase what he could do. Uh, so I think that's something to, to really look at with him and how is he going to be able to make a difference there. Um, something that really helps is when you shoot 78.6% from the free throw line, uh, which Alabama uh, was not a particularly great free throw shooting team. He only got there 14 times last year, but uh, he is someone that I think can give them that shooting touch uh, when we're talking about a front court and looking for a guy uh, who can step out and shoot because we know Dante Hall is not going to be shooting three-pointers um, and things like that. And Daniel Giddens isn't either. You know, Neither one of them attempted a three-pointer last year. So you have a guy that can step out, stretch the floor a bit, and I think with his size, uh, you got someone, a 6'9 guy that, that's built really well, um, can be very physical. I think that's where uh, you're going to have an opportunity, I think, if you're Alex Reese, uh, to step in and really kind of uh, you know be someone that we look at and, and maybe – kind of catches our eye as the season goes along as a potential breakout player here for this Alabama team this season. So I've got my eye on Alex Reese. Uh, also have my eye on another big guy uh, in the SEC, and that's kind of the, the main theme of today's uh, batch uh, of breakout players. Uh, and this one maybe not what you would consider necessarily a breakout player considering what he did last season. Uh, because he did start so many games last year. In fact, he started all 33 games and uh, for his team, and that was Jeremiah Tillman, uh, who you guys know I've been very high on from day one. We talked about it last week in the uh, very in-depth podcast with Sam Snelling of Rock M Nation. Hope you guys had a chance to listen to that. Uh, nearly an hour we went, not just on Missouri, but on the entire SEC. It was a great breakdown of where things stand as we head into uh, official practice, now already started as we get closer to the season. Uh, but we did talk about Jeremiah Tillman and kind of just what his freshman season looked like and what his sophomore season could now look like uh, for the Tigers and, and Conzo Martin because he's someone last year, you know, he had to really – we knew he was going to get a chance to play, but when you talk about what happened to Michael Porter Jr. not playing really, really the entire season, uh, Jeremiah Tillman instantly became someone that had to be – a major contributor, and there's no doubt this year his role is going to expand even further uh, alongside Jonte Porter. And you look at his numbers, he goes 8.2 points per game, 4.2 rebounds per game. He shot 56.4% from the floor, and all that was great uh, considering that it was his first season. Uh, but the biggest thing, and Sam and I documented this uh, in depth, again, we, we spent some time on this because it was something that stood out when you watched Tillman play last year. And that was the fouling, and it's something where you look, I think it was teamrankings.com I was looking at earlier, uh, he finished fifth in the NCAA last year with 3.67 fouls per game. So that certainly has to go down. I mean, he has to be able to stay on the floor uh, to give this Missouri team that's kind of has a bit of a depleted uh, backcourt. Their front court's going to be the strength. They're going to rely on Porter and Tillman, uh, Kevin Purrier, guys like that are going to have to be what drives this team if they want a shot 
at an NCAA tournament bid for a second straight season. Uh, but I do think when you look at Tillman's game, it's just a matter of making sure he stays on the floor. Um, we always kind of look at this, and you hear coaches talk about this a lot um, in interviews I've done and talking to people throughout the years. When you watch basketball, you kind of see it. If you played basketball, uh, let's say you're someone who played basketball at the high school level, went in and played in college, um, you know the game sometimes is very quick. When you're younger, you're going against more experienced guys, um, and it has it has to slow down at some point, and it does eventually slow down. And I think that's what you're going to see this year from Tillman. Getting that year of experience under his belt now, the game moves really fast, like we, we've said, um, and that can kind of cause some of those fouling issues, being in the wrong spot. Maybe you're just a half step uh, behind what other guys are doing, and that can lead to those types of fouls. And that put him in situations last year where he just found himself in foul trouble a lot, um, and he has to be able to stay on the court. The good news is that he still played 19.4 minutes per game last year, so it's not like the foul trouble you know, had him down to 10 minutes a game. He was barely on the floor. You know, he's still out there for half the game, um, but this year he's going to be expected to, to be out there as much as they need him to, and it's going to be a lot uh, because they're, they're going to really need him to, to be a giant factor on both sides of the court, and I think he has the ability to do that. You're looking at a guy that, that has all the tools you need to, to be an NBA player, uh, to be a force at the next level. It's just about development, and developing big guys – um, is always kind of fun to see with coaching staffs and such how how they approach that. Um, I think you're going to see a more polished game this year. I, I like I said, I think you're going to see the game slow down for Jeremiah Tillman, and that way he finds himself in those positions where he's not getting in foul trouble as much, uh, where he's having a chance to you know have offense run through him uh, when when a lot of people are focusing on Jonte Porter. Uh, and then, of course, he's going to have a chance to rebound, block shots on the defensive end, uh, and really just be a physical presence for Missouri in the paint um, because that's what they're going to need. They're going to need him to play a huge role uh, just like he did last year. And you have to give him credit for stepping up, playing the way he did, uh, because all all the positives are there. You see all the things that he can do uh, for, for a young guy remembering that he was just a freshman last year. And now seeing how he develops going into his sophomore season, continuing to see his game uh, get a bit more polished in a lot of different areas, he's got, like I said, he's got the potential, he's got the tools. It's just a matter of time, I think, before we see him kind of take over and be someone that we're looking at as one of the better players in the SEC, um, you know, because he does. He has a lot of good, great talent and um, I think it's just a matter of watching, watching that development, that maturation process. Uh, this could be a really big year uh, for Tillman there in Columbia. So he is a breakout candidate uh, in the SEC this season, given all the things that, that he can do. Um, and another guy that's going to have a chance to, to really kind of step on the floor from day one and be someone that's immediately thrust into – a huge role for his specific team, and that's Josh Nebo at Texas A&M. Um, we we've talked in you know in detail about the Aggies coming into the season, previewing them a little bit. Um, they're going to be a team that has to replace a lot. Um, Tyler Davis is gone. Robert Williams is gone. Tony Trush Morelos is gone. Uh, losing those guys, DJ Hogue, of course. Um, 
you lose all those guys. You lose a lot of size from that group. And you talked about, you know, those first three guys that I mentioned. You're talking about guys who are all 6'10". And so you you lose so much size, and you, we fully expect Texas A&M to play a bit faster this year. Um, and Billy Kennedy said as much on the interview we did with him this summer. They're going to play faster. They're going to have to go through T.J. Starks, uh, Admon Gilder, those backcourt guards that they have. Everything is probably going to go through them. However, they do have some some new options in the paint, and they do have do have some guys that are going to be able to make a difference. And one of those is Tennessee State transfer uh, Christian Mekawulu, who comes over as a very versatile guy. He's got the experience, um, and I think he's going to certainly be relied upon right away. But when you look at Nebo, here's a guy who really has so much, so many things to his game that I think he can immediately give Texas A&M a really good chance not to completely just kind of fall off after losing the guys that they lost. And when you look at the preseason projections, um, I have no idea where I'm going to put Texas A&M right now. You guys know I usually do my rankings uh, a couple weeks out from the season. So we are getting close, but they're one of the teams that I'm still just not completely sure on uh, where you kind of place them. Um, But I think Nebo can help them really, uh, looking at the guards they have, he can really help them, you know, be a team that can stay up there and at least be in that situation where they're not falling all the way down to those bottom two, three, two or three teams in the SEC uh, because he's got a lot to his game. And you look at kind of what he's done thus far in his career after sitting out last season. He played at St. Francis, uh, transfers over. While he was there, he set a single-season school record in block shots. He had 89 uh, on the year, he won the Defensive Player of the Year in the Northeast Conference. Uh, I just, you look at those types of things, and that's what Billy Kennedy needs from him. They need someone that's going to be able to come in right away, uh, make his presence felt in the paint, because you lose the guys uh, who did everything for you in there, who did all of your, your, your interior scoring, did your rebounding, block shots, those guys are gone, and so you've got to have a replacement. And I'm not saying Josh Nebo is going to be Tyler Davis or Robert Williams, uh, but he is someone that has a very versatile skill set. Uh, he's a he's a great athlete. I think he's got some explosiveness to him uh, that's going to make him someone that maybe kind of wows you at times when you're watching him go up against some of these these bigs in the SEC because there are a lot of great big men in the SEC, and that's why the Aggies need him. Uh, to step in right away, and he is. He's stepping into sort of a a role that's just there for the taking, and he can be someone that kind of comes in and gives them what they need there because they have to have it if they want to be able to compete on a night-in-night-out basis in this league with all the great big men, not just the ones, uh, you know, the experienced guys that we look around and talk about, but you see all these freshmen coming in, all this great size and length you've got around the league. You look at Nebo who's a 6'9", 242-pound guy that can can really give them, I think, what they need. And so it's going to be interesting to see if he can do that. Um, you know, And I think what's going to help him make that transition and what's going to help him kind of jump right in to those expectations that are going to be on his shoulders, think about this. He practiced against those guys uh, last year, and that's immediately something that jumps out at you because – being able to practice against those guys that were as skilled as they were, uh, that only made him better. And I think that valuable 
uh, experience right there is going to help him once he steps on the court because he's going to see a lot of guys uh, throughout the SEC that have similar skill sets to Davis and Williams. Um, so going against those kind of guys, being able to kind of you know hone your game against the better big men, not just in the SEC but in the country. I mean, Tyler Davis and Robert Williams were two of the better big men in the entire country. So having that opportunity, I think, really helps – uh, knowing the type of expectations that are going to be on Nebo this season, that really helps. And I think that's why I look at him and see him as someone that could really break out and make a huge impact from day one uh, because he, he kind of has to. And I think he's kind of been put in a situation where Billy Kennedy is, is very high on him. You hear him talk. You've heard him talk this offseason about him. Um, I think he, he kind of looks at him and thinks that, that people are really going to be surprised by how much of an impact he's able to make right away for this Texas A&M team. And that's where we look at him and feel like his defensive presence and someone that can contribute on offense as well, you've got a guy who can do things on both ends of the court. Um, and it's just it's going to be crucial for, for this team. And I think knowing that he's in that spot, I think that's going to help Nebo kind of uh, you know rise to the challenge and be able to really give Texas A&M what they need in there because they do have – when you talk about Starks and Gilder, I mean, you've got guys who have, you know, a lot of experience from last year. Uh, Gilder, one of the more underrated guards in the entire country. Starks was really a breakout player last year. So Texas A&M's got some pieces. It's just we have no idea what to expect from them because of what they lost from last year from a team that went to the Sweet 16. Um, and you've got, you know, NBA players on the roster. And so now it's just a matter of seeing what happens there. Uh, but Josh Nebo is someone that can come in and and really, I think, you know, we have to kind of look at him and, and say he's definitely someone that can break out, be on the radar in the SEC uh, because he's going to be in a very big role, and I think he's going to have the minutes and the opportunity uh, to be someone that, that really kind of jumps out at you as the season goes along. So that'll wrap up uh, part two here of the SEC breakout players uh, heading into the 2018-19 season. Hope you guys are enjoying uh, this and hope you're enjoying all the stuff uh, that's coming up over at southeasthoops.com, the written stuff that's going up as well. Uh, we just added a new writer, and I think he's someone you guys are really going to enjoy. Brad Cavallaro comes over, um, and he's someone that, that does a great job, great analysis, and I think you're really going to enjoy his work. He'll be, he'll be doing the written stuff over at at southeastoops.com, but he'll also be jumping on the podcast with us as well uh, as we go throughout the season. So I think you're going to have a lot of fun with him. Um, and then, of course, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Just go over to iTunes, search for Southeast Tubes. That way you don't miss any of these episodes, uh, ones like this, where it's just me doing solo stuff, uh, breaking down certain aspects of the league, and our interviews as well. As I mentioned earlier, be sure to go back through, uh, listen to the ones we've already done. Had Eric Fawcett on from GatorCountry.com a couple weeks ago. To talk about the Florida Gators, had Sam Snelling on last week to talk about Missouri and the entire SEC. Uh, So there's a lot of great stuff already up uh, here as we move into the new season, but there will be a lot of more stuff on the way, both in written form over at southeastsoups.com and on the podcast as well. So thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.